Welcome in. Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways you can save. What we're going to do, guys, is as we're a week out from the NFL draft, is first we're going to find a way for the NFL to move the draft up two weeks earlier, Stefania, because I mm-hmm. am sick of rumors that I have no idea whether they're just rumors <laughs> or whether there's actually anything substantive to them. If you don't know, then nobody knows. Because, Field, I'm looking to you for all the accurate information. I'm, my point, like, I... I I have I stopped doing mock drafts. As a kid, I loved doing mock oh, drafts. Yeah. I mean, obviously the accuracy was about one percent, right? But it was so fun because I just thought to myself, it's me being an armchair GM. Now I can't stand doing them because the problem is every time I think I have any feel other than the first overall pick in the draft, I'm like, Well, I really have no idea what Houston's gonna do at number two. And if you have no idea what Houston's gonna do at number two, it really complicates things for three and beyond, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh I'm with you. I haven't done a mock draft in years. Uh and other than there fantasy was, mock drafts. Of course, fantasy <laughs> mock drafts, but NFL mock drafts, a lot of respect for our team that does them because uh, yeah, I've tried and the last one I did, I felt great about. Yeah. I was like, I got this. Like we you you hear the rumblings, you hear the information that's out there, you have a feel, and then it's like second picks made and it's it's over. Yep. You're, it's it like is, it's, it's like, like your, your bracket, bracket being busted. Yeah. When exactly. The, when the rough. wrench gets thrown in, like it did yesterday, at the number two pick, like then everything cascades I, downward from there. I, I, I mean. do feel like we're at peak misinformation season. <laughs> no with the dra- That's like why the we're last two years, two weeks. even yep. even the last two years, like last year, I think it was still this point last year we were still talking about like Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, yeah. was like first, like round, first picks. round picks, right? They were like third, fourth, and fifth round. Out. Yeah, no, I don't. Out. I don't mind that misinformation. I mind when it starts getting like personal, or you know, I hear some of the medical misinformation mm, that goes around. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I agree with you, Field. Move it up See, sooner, and we get rid of that. The stuff. plausible deniability is where it gets me. You yeah. know, when he call a guy is you know whatever, like he 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 doesn't put his all into his craft, yeah. or you know, um, doesn't mm. work, doesn't care about yeah, the game as much as others. Like, yeah. no, listen, like if he, if he's USA guys slow. And you can prove it because he runs a five two forty. I'm fine with that, right? Mm-hmm. But the other crap, get it out of my life here. Uh, just thinking about mock drafts. So I always think about this because it happened. I think last year, or the year before, our buddy Josh Norris. So if you don't follow him and don't read his stuff and watch his stuff at Underdog, you're missing out. He is awesome. Him mm-hmm. and Hayden Winks have great content together for sure during the pre-draft process. And Josh, I think last year had 16 of 32 picks in the first round. Talk about sniping it during a mock draft. Like, <laughs> if I get four, I feel amazing. <laughs> exactly. He got 16 half amazing. the first round. So another reason why you should be following and consuming all of Josh's content. Uh, so uh, I think one of the most prominent realities of fantasy football is recency bias. It happens all mm. the time. Things that happened last year where you say to yourself, Mm, that's going to happen again this year. Is the reason why Jonathan Taylor went number one overall last year and everybody did not think twice about it because he had never missed a game and he was awesome the year before that. And it's the reason why everybody is now all of a sudden afraid of Jonathan Taylor because he got hurt. And believe it or not, you do get hurt when you play football, especially when you are a running back. So we're going to try to learn some things from last year and what how they're going to apply to this upcoming season and Maybe we'll have some disagreement about how we think these rules should be applied this year. But I'll start because I do believe that taking a quarterback early has more merit than ever before after what happened this past year. What is early? Can you define and that? Early is not not a first, not not anywhere in the first two rounds. Okay. Not not touching it. The absolute earliest that I would take a quarterback is the back end of the third round. When I say early, I mean like being the person that starts the quarterback mm-hmm. run as opposed to the person that says, I am totally content waiting for everybody else to make their picks, especially in a league of 10 or larger. And here's the reason why. 
is obviously we all saw what happened last year. And I tend to think that last year was like bottom 10 percentile of outcomes, right? All the players that busted last year, Mm -hmm. Stafford and Brady and Rodgers and Wilson and all the guys that were not Mm -hmm. good last year. Like, I don't think we're going to have that many players that stink up the joint. But I do think as you look at the board this year for quarterbacks, it does start to wane in terms of certainty somewhere after like sixth or seventh best quarterback for me and everybody else beyond that. I could see some guys that have great seasons. Here's an example. Like Dak Prescott having a top 10 fantasy season is not unfathomable at all. On the other hand, he could be like he was this year, which was on a couple of occasions, okay, but largely just a sufficient starting quarterback. So I might be more motivated to grab a Mahomes or Hertz or an Allen or a Burrow or a Herbert, who I do think bounces back in a big way, or a Lamar Jackson, who I think, assuming he's there on the field in week one, bounces back himself than I have been in prior years just because I realized how much of an anchor it could be if you're stuck with a Stafford or a Cousins or a Dak or any other quarterbacks from last year that really ended up being a player you started because you had to, not because you wanted mm-hmm. to. Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, to some extent, those the big three at quarterback, maybe you could put Joe Burrow in there uh, after he ran the ball a little bit more last season. But I do feel like if you're in the third round and you're looking at an Allen, a Mahomes, or a Hertz, those, they really separated themselves from the field last year. Obviously, Burrow at four was fine. But those three guys, I feel, can elevate to the point that they ha- they give you a sizable edge, even if you do hit on a Trevor Lawrence or someone like that. But yeah. the only hesitation I would have here is you don't want to draft a position or a player at their peak, which, you know, there's already chatter about Josh Allen's a year older and they want fewer designed runs and that kind of thing. Uh, Jalen Hurts obviously might throw more, but maybe he runs the ball a little bit less. He's missed some some games as well. There's reasons to be a little wary of that and look for, you know, and, and again, there's, there's, there's opportunity costs, too, to spending a second or third round pick, and it, it might cost you a second rounder in 12-team leagues this year to get one of those three guys, uh, of not getting another star at another position. And and look, last season, if you did that and you took a, a star running back receiver, what it, whatever it may be, and waited, you know, you could have put together Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Mm. You know, you could have put that duo together. That was a, a popular kind of wait till the double-digit rounds and go that route strategy. And there were other guys. Daniel Jones was topped in. Tua was terrific when he was healthy and on the field. Uh Geno Smith was QB5 last year, which was unbelievable. Like, who who would have thought that was coming? But nonetheless, and and by the way, some other guys that were picked early, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, did not work out, right, for injuries or or a variety of reasons. Herbert was just, it wasn't, the production wasn't there. Dak Prescott, same kind of thing. So um, I think you could look at it both ways. The best thing I could advise, though, is build your board and just follow the value. If one of those guys slips and you want to jump on a quarterback, go for it. But don't force that over... Just don't go in and say, I'm taking one of the big three. I don't care. I don't think that's a viable strategy. I will say this. um, Given that, speaking generally, and there are always going to be exceptions to everything we talk about in fantasy football. Speaking generally, the fact that wide receivers at the top of the board tend to be a bit safer than running backs at the Mm -hmm, top of the board mm -hmm. these days. If I go wide receiver, wide receiver in the first two rounds, I might actually be more likely to take a quarterback, one of those quarterbacks early. The reason why I say that is that, if my quarterback, either I'm, I'm I'm paying the premium that's too significant or he doesn't totally flush that upcoming year, like if I have a running back that whiffs and a quarterback that whiffs in my first three picks, that could be deteriorating for the rest of your mm-hmm. roster. And I just think generally like the floor for Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Stephon Diggs and Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill just feels higher to me than mm-hmm. once you get like 
you know, Jonathan Taylor is great, and I still feel really good about Jonathan Taylor as a top six running back this year. But we saw last season, even when he was healthy, what it could look like when things weren't going perfectly because the passing game utilization was mm-hmm. down, the offensive line played poorly last year, and the touchdowns just weren't there. Mm-hmm. Daniel and I sort of see things uh, comparably in some ways as far as quarterbacks. Daniel wants to emphasize, though, draft a mobile quarterback, which is so darn essential. It just really is because there are a couple quarterbacks who can be surgeons from the pocket and still make up for it, like a Joe Burrow, even with a bit more rushing this past season, and a couple others. Maybe Aaron Rodgers can bounce back and prove it. Brady was like that forever, but you draft a guy that can run, and it just changes everything. Go look at Justin Fields' passing stats last year. Trivia. Two seasons. How many 300-yard passing games does Justin Fields have to his name? Zero. Zero. Zero 300-yard passing games to his name, and you can make a compelling case for him on the back end of that three or four quarterback tier oh, for sure. at the top of the one, right? You said Burrow and, I'm sorry, you said Allen and Mahomes and Hurts kind of separated themselves mm-hmm. on a per game basis for a while last year. Justin Fields was right in that mix as well. Yeah, and by the way, up, we'll I'm with you. And then you have guys like Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Derek Carr, uh, pocket quarterbacks, Matt, Matthew Stafford, uh, even Brady last year. You know, as you have more of these running quarterbacks coming in, those guys have no ceiling. Yeah. Like they just, even when Derek Carr was playing his best football, or Kirk, Kirk Cousins is playing his best football. Do you realize that when Kirk, since Kirk Cousins got to Minnesota, the Vikings are sixth in touchdowns in the NFL. What's like, and over the last, and I think they're fifth over the last three years, right? They have been yeah. scoring touchdowns at will. Kirk Cousins can barely crack the top 10 in fantasy points. He's lucky if he's ninth or eighth because he does not add any value with his legs anymore. I used to a little on Washington. That has stopped. He, they, these guys just don't have upside, and that's why you take a shot on guys who add value with their legs, including Daniel Jones. Who cracks the top 10 left. for quarterback mm-hmm. rankings this year just because the rushing upside is so significant. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I think that will hold up enough. And I think the passing will get better for Daniel Jones because he'll actually have wide receivers this year. They haven't really addressed that position specifically. They did trade for Darren Waller, of course, who already gives them a big boost. But I got to figure the Giants walk away with at least one wide receiver in mm-hmm. one of the first three rounds of the upcoming draft. But Stefan, you can listen to me or you can listen to Eric Carabell. And just like on principle, like... Would you listen to me or Eric care about that's really anything in life? You can be honest. I'm not listening. Eric's listening, by the way. We have him on, on uh, conference. Uh, it's so funny because Eric's been dug in on this for as long as I've known <laughs> yes. him. So we're going on a couple decades I don't even here. think he's, he's like, drafted a quarterback in a mock for the last three years. I know. Like, he uh, takes it. He wants He wants whatever. Your leftovers, <laughs> that's what Eric Carabell wants to take. And he has compelling case for it. I mean, he was saying that last year was the outlier, not the, not the rule. I think um, – for me, I definitely am looking at some of those top quarterbacks early. I, it's interesting, Field, you say third round, and I'm thinking of most leagues. Uh, unless it's a league of us, I don't see those guys even making it to the third round because I think that everybody mm-hmm. is feeling this vibe of I need one of these top quarterbacks because there's such a difference maker in terms of points that you're – I could see, depending on the league, a couple people at the end of the first round going from home. Oh, like, I think, I, I, I think round sure. two. Right, right. I think, I think, end of round two, I, I think's when. End of round two, but if you're on the... Uh, you say end of round two, but I think if there are people who think I'm at... I may not get a chance to get him. So the fir- the person who drafts last in mm-hmm. round one and gets the first, right, they could take him right there yeah. because they're going to say, I'm not going to get that person if <sighs> I wait. Tough, if I w- it is. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the right move. Uh-huh. I'm saying that I could see somebody, if that's who they really want to have and they know their league mates, they may decide to go that early i think um there's a couple things here one is something that i'm going to look at that i I don't think was accounted for enough as we talk about all these quarterbacks 
was sort of the fit in the scheme. I mean, Russell Wilson was a quarterback that we thought would provide value with his legs. He still had something left in the tank. We thought he, with his wide receiver compliments in Denver, he'd be airing it mm-hmm. out. We thought we would get that kind of data from him. And then he was in an offense that did not fit for him. You know, and, and, and how much of the drop-off was him and how much of it was that he and Nathaniel Hackett didn't really jive in terms of yeah. what they were running for him. It makes me want to look at some of the situations. We have more offensive coordinator movement than I can recall. Don't you think, Field? I mean, I, I think it's it, over it, half the league in the yeah. past two years has changed offensive coordinators. I think it's more than that, yeah. It's, so, it's, it's rampant. It's, yeah. So as I look at what are these quarterbacks going to be doing, and mm-hmm. is it a system where they're going to be free to be mobile if that's what they do, or are they going to be constrained by the offense that they're mm-hmm. running? You know what's interesting about that is this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. That could be a tricky thing to suss out. Because oh, I don't think there were any uh, yeah. indicators going into last year that Russell Wilson wouldn't fit with Denver. Oh, it was no. worst case right. scenario out- outcome. Yeah, it like, was. That was like it was as bad it, as it could yeah, possibly be. When we were talking be. in the offseason, like if we were like, what's worst case scenario and best case scenario? This was probably actually worse than what we would have talked about for worst totally. case scenario. Yeah. It, it was, but, that's, with that's all the trick things, but with all the things that influenced you, right? So the same way we're looking at, well, these mobile quarterbacks were stars. Uh, we're, we're going on recency bias. And if you, if you have a bad taste in your mouth from what happened last year, where you thought somebody was going to be more productive than they were, is that going to change what you think yeah. about a quarterback in a, playing an entirely new system? Really, really yeah. interesting conversation. Derek Carr, not that he has a ton of upside generally, right? But like, yeah, that's an example that of a quarterback like? changing systems for the mm-hmm. first time. Well, changing teams for the first time ever, not changing systems as he did so last year with Josh McDaniels as his head coach. I will say this. Uh, last year, passing and scoring were down. And if you look closer at that, the reasons behind that, it kind of makes sense. Quarterback injuries were up. There was a lot of quarterback, you know, yeah. average games played for projected starters was way down. Running back health was good last mm. year. And we're actually down on running back, I feel like, right now. And that's after a good year for running back health. So well, that's something just to think about as really, you're navigating so A couple things from just, I'll throw this injury angle in, you know, because it's what I do. But... And when you look at the quarterback injury, something that's happened in the last few years that we never used to see is uh, injuries to their throwing hand and throwing arm in case of Brock Purdy. But if you look at like the thumb fractures, the thumb ligament tears, the, you know, so Dak Prescott, Drew Brees had this a couple years ago, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting hit in the helmet when you, these guys, you know, the guy, pass rushers are getting to them. The physicality that the quarterback is facing when they're getting contacted. If they, so if you have a team where you, we talk about offensive line and protection all the time, but it, we also talk about we want a quarterback who's going to stand in the pocket and not be afraid. We want them to be mobile, but maybe they're, you know, we, we don't want them to run at the first inkling of some kind of pressure. Well, 
if they stand in there and take contact, maybe that ups their injury risk because of what we're seeing in terms of elevated uh, hand, upper extremity injuries for quarterbacks. That's one thing. And then there's also the the stuff we can never account for. When quarterback goes down, tears their ACL, you get a Joe Burrow random thing that happens but you can count on one of these top quarterbacks going out every year no matter how much you like to project you know mm-hmm. that, that you yeah. think they're going to be safe that's uh, that risk does go up with the running quarterbacks but um you know i i, I don't it's not going to stop it's not going to change their game the other thing is uh, i don't know if you guys saw this news the other day but there is now a quarterback's uh, specific position helmet mm. that has been approved um, because it's gone through testing and showed decreased number of uh, how how do I say this properly? It has a definitive effect on impact. So many quarterbacks go down, they hit the back of their head. We saw this with Tua. So this helmet is specifically designed to have more reinforcement at the back of the helmet to minimize the concussion effects. Stuff there. So yeah. hopefully we're going to see fewer of those kind of injuries mm-hmm. with the quarterback, but you never can be sure. Fingers crossed on that. Let's go to Liz's rule, Mike. And I think this one is borderline, like this is indisputable. Take a wide receiver, consider a wide receiver, I should say, in the first round. And on Tuesday's show, we talked a little bit about Christian McCaffrey and how it's Mm -hmm. tough to make the case for him as 1.01. And other than Austin Eckler, there's no running back that's in that conversation for 1.01. Yeah, I'm with you. And you look at the top options at running back. And again, there's always question marks, but more so than in a long time, I think, across the board. I mean, Austin Eckler, you know, 28 years old now, he... Asked for a trade, might stay put now. Could he still be traded? Could he be traded during the season? I mean, there's at least things aren't great, super great there. But Saquon Barkley, you know, started off great last year. He was was like putting up RB2 numbers most of the season last year after that really good start. Jonathan Taylor, we know what happened last season. Josh Jacobs coming off that massive workload. I'm worried about a fall off of 100 plus touches. That's been the history of, of guys that have 400 touches or so. And of course, Eric Henry's 29 years old. So you think about your top six or so options at running back. And there are questions there, whereas any questions with Justin Jefferson? Maybe we'd like more touchdowns, uh, I, I guess. I mean, just talk about a high-floor player that's in his prime and an offense that scores a lot of touchdowns. It's going to demand the football a ton. Really not a lot of competition for targets. TJ Hawkinson is number two there with Adam Thielen on for sure. So, And Dalvin Cook might not be on that team in, a, in two weeks from now. So there's really a lot to like about Justin Jefferson. I absolutely have no issue with him at, with that first pick. Yeah, I, I'd say that also beyond that is just like everything's roster, roster construction uh, specific, right? Mm-hmm. But just like it feels like the boom games were so much more frequent for these wide receivers last year than they were for the running backs. It just felt like the chance for 25 points was far more in play for wide receivers uh, and Every running back or any running back not named Austin Eckler, it was going to be a stretch to get there. Even Christian McCaffrey, as we talked about on Tuesday's show, with Elijah Mitchell. So we are all in favor of a wide receiver in the first round with a couple of exceptions, of course. And I think if you look at my top 10 rankings this year, it'll be more heavily weighted towards wide receivers than it will be towards running backs. Mm -hmm. And by the way, last year, the the right strategy, and again, you don't want to get too caught up that. You want to look forward, not backward. But you can learn a little from the past. The, The right strategy was... Rounds like four, five, six, seven for running back. I mean, if that's where you attack that position and got Pollard and Ramondre and guys like that, that was a home run season. You know that that's that was if the strategy last right. year. Yeah. Well, that's, you, know, yeah. well, you got to yeah. increase yeah. your that's odds. Right. That was the in in mass. That was the right strategy. Last so year. the uh, the assignment for 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 this particular show was to think of a rule that you are going to apply to fantasy football and drafting next year. Mike decided to make it life advice. Uh, what is your life <laughs> advice that also applies to fantasy? Mine football? was listen to Stefania Bell in <laughs> all things, all things, uh, but specifically uh, injuries and. 
uh, and guys coming off injury or a year off from an injury. So, um, you know, I think the thing we've argued about most over the last couple of years is I'm like, this guy projects so well. And if he if he's healthy, he's going to be great. And you're like, well, he might not be healthy or he's healthy now. So now's the year to jump out, jump in. And last year, the two obvious examples were I was in on J.K. Dobbins. You warned me against it. You were correct. And you said, but, you know, the year before I was in on Saquon Barkley, you warned me against it. And then last, last year you said, now he's good, you know. I'm obviously paraphrasing, but you were in on Barkley last year. I was not, and lesson learned, he was obviously very good. So, you know, obviously I'm going to keep that better in mind going forward. But, Stefani, there's some interesting names this year that I'm worried about projecting, like Kyler Murray with the Week 14 ACL. Javante Williams and Brees Hall were Weeks 4 and 7. Zach Ertz, Week 10. And then a couple Giants uh, receivers, Week 11, Wandale Robinson and Sterling Shepard in Week 3. Those are the fantasy-relevant ACL tears last season and I'm sitting there doing projections like do I project a return in week four and if Brees Hall comes back in week three or week four how good will he be so I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to you on these players this year as I formulate these projections yeah and the 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 challenge really is that this uh you can hear all the chatter you want right now about Mm -hmm. guys being quote unquote ahead of schedule which makes me nuts because (laughs) number one there's uh, guidelines are guidelines but you can't accelerate biology of healing so you know there's a certain amount of time it takes for tissue to repair itself you cannot say all of a sudden we're just going to make this guy move faster it just doesn't work that way so i've got two running backs that i have temporarily at rb18 and rb19 in my rankings but in my rankings i have a document a word document they're highlighted and it's Brees hall Mm -hmm. and it's javante williams yep because if those guys play 17 games this season and have a reasonable workload, I expect them to surpass RB18 and RB19. Yeah. I have major hesitations about either of them playing 17 games this season. And even if they do, and it sounds like right now, Brees Hall is probably more likely to do so if he has any chance. I can't imagine him being a 20-touch-per-game guy because it would be it would feel negligent to do so to a running back coming off of an ACL tear, but it makes them two of the trickier players to rank at this juncture. RB18 and 19, they could easily move down to RB32 and RB33. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to, to what I was saying earlier, you really can't evaluate this till you see what mm-hmm. they're doing when they're actually touching a football. We don't see that till training camp, and sometimes we don't even see it in camp. We do, last year with J.K. Dobbins, I was saying, well, we're going to wait, wait, wait. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. there's this artificial timeline for players where they feel this need to get on the field by week one. In fantasy purposes, tell me, would you not prefer... A player, if you knew they weren't coming back for a month, but you knew when they came back after a month, they were in really good shape. And you were getting the rest of the season where they were in pretty peak condition, just adapting to playing games versus making it back for week one and having sort of the J.K. Dobbins effect where you're in, out, in, out. not to, You would always take the guy where you felt like better health, but who knows whether it's contract incentives, it's public perception, it's them being, you know, the organization sometimes will say, we expect him back week one, and then they got to backpedal off mm-hmm. of that. All those things can factor in. You really don't know until they're doing football activity in full. Uh, but I will say this, Brees Hall and Javante Williams did not have, their injuries are very, very different. I mean, Brees Hall had a pretty straightforward ACL, Javante Williams not at all. And so when I look at the risk factor for Williams coming back this year, I'm far more concerned about him than Brees Hall. And I with the qualifier that as Brees Hall returns, he's not overloaded. It will be very interesting if they get Aaron Rodgers there yeah. and they have what they have in the passing game. They actually could have a great setup for Brees Hall so that he could gradually increase his workload and be performing 
peak when you need it most in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, Samaj P. Ryan, free agent signing, is going to continue him. to be talked about a yep. bunch this offseason because uh, the tone has already changed within the Broncos organization about Javante Williams' timeline. At first it was, looks great, on track, and then more recently from GM George Payton, it was something to the effect of like, not sure if he'll be ready to start the season, which to me is typically GM code for probably not going to be ready, but we're not quite prepared to to play our hands yet like Mm -hmm. but this screams pup list to me at least yeah i'm worried about that and i i we might learn a little more on draft weekend too if they spend like a day two pick on another running back to go with p ryan so i'm keeping an eye on that do they have a day two pick i don't know that's a good question they are one of the most they are one of the uh, light they have some of the lowest draft capital (laughs) the entire league so uh they may not be able to do so but you're right i mean they could take a fourth round running back and it would Mm -hmm. still be instructive in my opinion Mm -hmm. right because there is some depth in this class even if it lacks star power beyond B. John Robinson. Last rule suggested by Matt Bowen was to stream tight ends, and Bowen does not want to repeat the 2022 <laughs> mistakes with Pitts and Waller. I'm okay with the idea. Obviously, if I don't have a Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews, et cetera, Mike, the trick is probably just like, um, there's like if we are accepting the fact <laughs> that there are very few good tight ends, it might make it hard to pick the correct one week in and week out as a streamer. Yeah, there's not always going to be a Travis Kelsey, right? I mean, it's just the way, the nature of the beast. He exploded last season, was way ahead of the field. If you drafted him, obviously, it was a huge value. That's not always going to be the case. But on the other hand, two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, last year, my favorite avenue was take TJ Hawkinson and then a little later take Pat Fryermuth. And if you did that, you had two outstanding tight ends. That was a great strategy. So I'm with him. I mean, if you can find some value. Well, that's uh, interesting. Tight ones, Let that's me just fine. press you one, one step further on that. Are you saying that, like, you wanted those two players because you wanted to basically, like, increase your exposure and hope that one of the two hits? Because for a long time, the rule, a rule in drafting is, like, just draft one tight end. You could only mm-hmm. realistically play one per week. So are you saying you were kind of increasing your lottery odds I'm that way? Not necessarily. If Firemuth fell far enough, I would take him as well. Or if I missed on Hawkinson, then I would target Firemuth. So I should have said I was looking generally for one of those two. I was keeping an eye on Andrews in the okay. first few rounds, but then I was like, all right, Hawkinson's in that next tier. You know, you're, we've talked about tiers all the time. You're looking for that. Uh, guys in certain tiers, so I like the Hawkinson value. If I missed on him, then I would take a shot on Fryermuth, and that was fine. And that kind of yeah. aligns with what Matt Bowen's talking about. But you know, I do think this year you look at the top ten tight ends, and you know Kelsey stands above the rest, no doubt about it. But I mean, you get down to eight, seven, eight, nine, you're looking at Ingram and Joku. Like yeah. that's I, I if I come out of my draft and get a nice deal on one of them two, I'm okay with that. Yeah, like, I guess I, I was I was like thinking about the pre waiver process basically, right? Because if there are five tight ends that play well in week one and you happen to win your week one matchup, you may be out of the running for those players just because other players in your league grab them before you do. So it's almost like a pre waivers run rather than having that 
fifth extra wide receiver on your bench, you have a second oh, tight yeah, end available. That. I was yeah, just going to ask, that was the question I was just going to ask, is where are you guys at with having a second tight end on the bench? Because for so long it's been, nope, you don't, you don't need an extra one. Just pick one up, uh, you know, weak stream the tight ends, kind of what Bowen is saying. But I don't know that there's always a, a streamer that's going to be solid enough for you to be comfortable yeah. with taking them. Yeah, I mean, I think your bench is just, you, especially early in the season, you want, you know, dart throws with upside. I mean, I'm not going to hold Austin Hooper going, like, I'm not going to, all right, it's a 16-round draft. I'm not going to take Austin Hooper or Hayden Hurst, but... I, like Chaco Conquo, maybe? Yeah, like maybe. Or Jelani I'm still, Woods, plan- maybe, I'm still you know? planning on Irv Smith panning out this Irv time Smith with the Bengals. I'm yeah, watching Irv spot, Smith this right? year. I like Irv Smith. Yeah. I think him with the Bengals. You know, they no more Hayden Hurst with the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we've seen how they like to throw the tight end. Mm-hmm. I still think yeah. he's going to pan out. He might be my bench, like get him late because no one's going to pay That's attention. another guy that he missed all of 2021, right, right, right. wasn't himself last right. year. Maybe this is the year. So right. I'm with you. It was just yeah, right about him today. You know, it's, sometimes it's hard to talk about roster construction in fantasy because it's so dependent upon league size and how mm-hmm, your first mm-hmm. couple of picks go. Like there are, there are incalculable number of scenarios, but I think during the preseason we'll dive a bit more into some of these just sort of theories about when it makes sense to grab a second tight end, when it makes sense to take a quarterback early, as we were discussing previously in this show, when it makes sense to avoid running backs early, or if you do avoid running backs early, how do you account for it later? Just various different things that can be winning strategies. It's just hard to fit them all into like one neat and tidy package because there are so many things that go into a draft. Yeah, we could do probably a series of shows just on like late round dart throws, like upside. No, we like. We like- exactly. Yeah, we, were, yeah, we yeah. have 60 wide receivers we're ranking, mm-hmm. and that's more than any other position because, I mean, I could find one or almost one or two per team that is not ranked as the top 30 that you're like, well, if everything broke correctly mm-hmm. for K.J. Osborne this year, he could yep. be a top 35 no wide receiver, right? Yeah. And that's just yeah. one example of a player who's not in my top 35, Mm -hmm. but could have a path to a top 35 season. I think that's totally valuable. One of the hardest things to do is to round out your bench. You know, it's getting those late rounds. You're struggling for how do I value one receiver over another? Because you're really looking for the one with the most upside. Who has the chance to break out? And that becomes a little clearer, we think, as you get deeper and deeper into the preseason. Kyle can mark this down. I have an idea. As we get to the preseason, especially when we're back to our everyday cadence, it's like, We'll do. Maybe we'll just do a show of lottery tickets. But maybe what we should do is pencil in five minutes at the end of every show, and we'll just have we'll we'll, we'll grab one of those. We'll grab a, a roll of tickets, lottery tickets. Write a name. You just start writing names. If you have a lottery ticket you want to talk about, you put them on the back of a ticket. Then every day, Kyle will just go to the bucket and just start to <laughs> grab them out one mm-hmm. by one. And if it lands on KJ Osborne, we'll talk about KJ Osborne mm-hmm. for a second. It's on it the lands fly. I like it on oh, yeah, Ben Skoranek, like you know, that. which maybe he's not much of a <laughs> lottery for this, right? But like, yeah. Uh, uh, something with a lottery. I don't know. Yeah. What, what do you call it when you... Uh, we have, we what do you call it? The silent auction, bucket, the silent auction or yeah. something. We'll the find fantasy something, silent auction. I just think it's a way to weave... Again, not all these guys are going to hit. It's the lottery. Just like you don't often win the lottery, but if <laughs> five or eight of them ever. actually crush, and we, you know, that, that you're just looking for paths to fantasy success. That's the thing. Do you ever do that when you're done your rankings and it's like, maybe like early September and you look over your ranks and you're like, uh, you look look past the top forty or fifty, and you're like, "There's going to be some guys in here that are going to be big breakouts this year. Who are they? Like, oh, it's, it's hard to figure yeah, out, right? It's yeah, harder to you got to draft it. some of those guys, and some will hit. It's know? harder. Like, I agonize more over the guys that don't make the cut to the top sixty mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than the players that I have inside my top twenty for wide receivers. Like, I'm not saying they're all perfect. I feel pretty good though about my top twenty wide receivers being guys that. 
you know, barring injury or barring something unforeseen, are going to be useful players. And that most people understand where the fantasy value is coming from. It's like you lose a little bit of sleep at night, though, when you're like, crap, like, I've got Traylon Burks at wide receiver 46. Does he deserve to be like 12 Mm -hmm. spots higher? Like, showed some talent last year. They got nobody else there, big body, physical. Or are the Titans going to be an objectively terrible offense this year? And he finishes with like, 52 catches for 600 yards mm-hmm. and three touchdowns. Like That's possible, too. Yeah, it's easy to forget there's 32 teams, each starting two receivers. That's <laughs> right. 64 already. And right. then you're not, you know, a lot. most teams have three receivers on the field most of the time. That's 96 players. Yeah. And you're only ranking 60. That's a lot of players, too. And you always feel like you're disrespecting a lot of guys, especially a wide receiver more so than any other position. All right, so good stuff there. Go ahead and find these rules. They're available on ESPN.com and all of our content uh, because content is rolling in fast right now. It'll Mm -hmm. only ramp up after the draft, which is finally just one week away. We are coming back again next Tuesday uh, for our usual show cadence for Stefania and Mike. I am Field. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you then. A Langford fan for life Chargers are off to a terrible start But that won't change his mind Matching up all the cornerbacks Touchdown regression and weekly stats But if your team falls flat He's the one to blame He's a brainiac, brainiac on the case that can put us in first place He's a brainiac, brainiac He's my clay Two guys drove to work Neither guy wore a seatbelt One guy got a ticket One guy didn't The same two guys drove home One guy wore a seatbelt One guy didn't One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.